0: Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe It's took everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, gents, um, after last night, I'm sure we're all in a pretty good mood, but um, I'll ask you guys anyway. Um, Ross, uh, how are you doing?
3: Not too bad. After a hectic few days uh, recording, starting to get back to normal.
2: I yeah, guess. this is yeah, this is our um, well, last recording day anyway for a little while now until the uh, Burnley game, so... It'll be weird, we've gone from like, what, two or three days of recording straight to having a week off, which is going to be
4: interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, Joe, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, disappointed there's not many leftovers left from Christmas, but I've steadily worked my way through them.
2: Yeah, usually um, usually in my house, it's only Boxing Day where they're available, because they all kind of go straight away, but hey, if you can make them last, then uh, all power to, yeah. So, gents, um, obviously had a game last night against Swindon Town um, and pretty convincing performance, to be honest. A 4-1 win. Um, really happy with how it went in general. Um, you know, you can't really argue with, with uh, six shots all those being on target and scoring four of them. Um, I think we could be here all night giving plaudits to individuals in terms of how they played. Um, but I'll kick it off with you, Ross. How... Or what are your generalised thoughts on how last night went for you?
3: I think it was just the key of getting to -to back-to-back wins. And um, I know previously we failed to um, push on the momentum as such. And I think that performance just shows what Russ Martin has built in in the past couple of months and the back end of last season. And um, I feel like the performance was uh, only waiting... It was only a matter of time, basically, before we dispatched the team with ease, and I think that just showed last night, especially in the first half, how cl- clinical, as you say, Liam, we were in front of goal. But what impressed me the most was with how thin the squad is currently. It shows that deep down, we we do have quality within this squad to um, compete within League One with anyone. And um, I'm just pleased that this new system with a three-five-one-one. One, allows us to be more creative and uh, individuals like Gladwin and Fraser thrive off this.
2: Yeah, um, obviously, as you mentioned, Ross, there was 10 missing last night from the first team. There was 12 from Bristol where was missing. So, um, yeah, it shows we, despite being, you know, not full strength whatsoever, we can put in this good performances. And, you know, Swindon last night was right up there in terms of how we played as a team. Um, we didn't really give too many chances up, obviously. The goal came from a wonder strike from Payne. Quite frankly, that I doubt many keepers are going to save it at all. Like it didn't even it, it wasn't even a shot on target technically because it hit the bar and went in. Um, but yeah, um, Joe, uh, Ross, mentioned the three-five-one-one system and how it allows other players like Lapwell and that to show their creative side. Um, you know, we've seen two games of this now where it's you know paid off pretty well for us. Um, would you want it a bit more of a staple
4: in the team going forward? Um, yeah, I think it 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 has worked well, and I think it is is literally just fit the personnel that we've had. But what a couple of the benefits of it is, um, I think we we're crowding out the midfield. So one thing I noticed that both in the Bristol Rovers game and the Swindon game, we were ahead quite. You know, we were ahead um, for for large majority of the, both games, and neither neither of those teams actually created a proper chance, really. I mean, the best chance we conceded in two games of teams trying to press us whilst we we were beating them was, um, I think it was a rebound from a free kick. It wasn't exactly, um, you know, it's not as if we're being carved open. I think it really helps just crowding out attacks. Um, I think sometimes it doesn't help when you're trying to break. I mean, we we had a few good breaks yesterday, but I think um, before we've seen some brilliant play, with, uh, with the likes of Morris and Jerome and Linkup play. we maybe not necessarily seeing that, but it does seem like, um, on the whole, we're just a bit more... A bit, it's not necessarily more solid, but just, especially when when we need to slow the game down in possession, I felt we did that really well. I thought a Sermon, I just liked... There's a couple of players I wanted to shout out, but first of all, Sermon, I thought he, he did that perfectly, just so many times. Because uh, Swindon did, did start pressing second half, and he'd just take a moment and instead of just looking for that killer ball, he'd just turn right around, play it to Keogh and just, you know, just we restart and just calm things down. I think that's invaluable in in, a, in for a team, especially when you're leading, just, just kill the momentum of the opposition.
2: Yeah, definitely. And um, I feel, as you kind of mentioned with the 3-5-2, you know, maybe sermons, talents when the pivot is kind of there, wasn't really utilised well enough. Whereas, of course, in this new three-five-one-one 5 one system that you mentioned, Joe, we are kind of seeing that and he's being utilised a lot, a lot more and a lot better. And, um, you know, he can really show, he's really shown his quality that we kind of saw in the first lockdown for Bournemouth. Um, Ross, I know... Dan Harvey got voted man of the match um, last night and the two games since we introduced this sort of 3-5-1-1 system, he's really shone in my opinion and I'm sure uh, you'd agree. What are your kind of thoughts on how he's played and these past two games and do you think he's pivotal in this team going forward?
3: Exactly, It was all, always a case of him not, being, um, not having that consistent run of games. And we saw, we saw glimpses of it um, earlier on. but that, And then the international break just kind of disrupted that. So in especially in this new system, I feel like Harvey can go up and down at a wing as much as he wants because he's that robust left wing back. But I feel like in these past few games, it's not only his, um, his defending, which I'm really impressed about, it's the delivery also. I feel like with especially Jerome up top, He's not always going to have um, the best service to him at times. So it's vital we make the most of what we've got. And if we do have that one cross, Jerome's got to get on, get on the end of it. And I just noticed yesterday, especially, we had a lot more crosses into the box. And in the box, the quality just pr- uh, proven over Swindon in the end. And I feel like Harvey, he's nailed on that left-back role now. And... Um, He's really starting to pick on. And I'm hoping to see, especially with the other side, that Paul can do the same thing. Because if we get both firing um, firing on both cylinders, we can be a real force this season. Because at the end of the day, the wing-backs are like wingers. And they're our different outlook as the attack. So I just feel going forward, if he can maintain the level of performance which we've seen yesterday, we're going to have so much joy in the next couple of games.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's never impressive Harvey's past two games and, um, you know, we're, we're likely to have um, Matty the back for the uh, Johnson's Play trophy game in Southampton Town, which I'm sure he'll feature in uh, purely from a fitness point of view, as he hasn't played in a little while compared to some of the players. Um, Joe, would you kind of agree with Ross's comments on how Dan Harvey has, in Ross's words, nailed down that left wing back role for you?
4: Yeah, I think I mentioned it. it, must have been three or four, I think it was just before the Peterborough game, I said he should be starting and he came on the Peter, the Peterborough game and I thought he made a real difference. I think he got in behind like six times and for crosses and I think it's just, it's just um, it, it really suits him, it really does suit him. And I think because he because he does have the defensive capabilities, but it's more about his end product. He's got two goals and two assists. He's only actually started nine games, and I, I was having a little look at um, like our um, our performances when he started games, and he, he so he started nine league games. As I said, um, we've scored thirteen and conceded seven in that time, so a positive goal difference, and we've won three, drawn three, and lost three. Um, Over a season, that's 61 points. That's top half form, which is, you know, probably above where we expected to be at the start of the season. And to be getting, you know, nearly a goal or assist every other game from that position is exactly what we've been crying out for, because it's so hard in the middle of the pitch when you've got three or four midfielders. You know, it can get quite congested there at times. So, so often, you know, we are going wide for our attacks. But you know, he had one shot yesterday. Absolutely, just lovely, deft touch over the keeper. And that, the, what I loved about that Regan Paul, uh, the cross for Regan Paul's header, was that he, he just—he he didn't panic or just leather it. He just looked up, saw the man, and just floated the ball over. And that's such a difference to just getting to the byline and smashing it into the six-yard box as hard as you can. It's—it's it's about picking out the players, and it's just that extra little bit of quality which we have lacked because and and i think as well one thing that i mentioned on saturday was that our chances weren't falling to the right people well i think they were this um, this this weekend uh, th- uh, last night beg your pardon um i thought jerome he he took his chances brilliantly and um and, and yeah it's, it's, it's i think um it's Harvey's spot to lose now i think i think he he was brought in to nail down that spot and i think just, you know, with all the internationals, uh, he's been going backwards and forwards. And I think now he's actually getting a bit of momentum and it's going to take something massive to dislodge him, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, you, you mentioned the um, Bregan Paul goal last night, the fourth goal. And, um, you know, you mentioned how it's that quality, but it's also the calmness and composure. I think that's what I really valued from that goal. Absolutely. Um, you know, <laughs> especially for younger players, it's really hard to find that. Um, and whether that's. Well, it probably is a virtue of spending extra time with Russ and the coaching staff in general um but you know that that those two qualities at such a young age is really good quality to have and if we, we can nurture that into something more which we've clearly got the building box or where we've seen the building blocks to do that then it's gonna be a really valuable asset as you said joe and could be or will be quite a key part of the system moving forward I wanted to bring up um, someone who came in for Warren O'Hara last night at right centre back in Bailey, Cargill. Um, and I feel we could give, as I said, we could be here all night and keep to certain individuals that like we have with, um, you know, Sermon, uh, Harvey, etc. even Jerome. But I felt Cargill came in last night in a position that he's not very familiar with, especially being a left-footed player predominantly. I Ray did quite well. Um, yes, he didn't have to do a lot, but I felt for the situation he was in and you know, with the early being taken, he had more responsibility on him. I was quite impressed with how he dealt with the situation. And I think we saw the real side of Cargill last night, that perhaps we actually haven't seen previously. Um, I'll go to you, Ross, first. Um, how did you feel Bailey Cargill did last night for you?
3: It's quite funny you say that, because straight off the game, um, I actually checked on what his stats were like. And I believe he won um, every single ground jewel. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many it was. I think it was like four or five, um, four in fact. Um, and he won his area. He's won every single aerial duel. So on a defensive note, he's he's had he's had a perfect game. I felt I felt it just show, showed um with Ora especially dictating the tempo. Um, with the Regan Paul um, goal, it was actually Bailey Cargo who uh, sprung the ball out wide to uh, Harvey or Fraser and then Fraser to Harvey. So he is key to part, key part of our attack as well. And he might offer something different going forward compared to O'Hara because he's range of passing. Um, we know Cargill can pass the ball. It's just his individual mistakes, which cost us. And as you say, Liam, for someone to go out, out of position and come in and do, still do a job, just shows his maturity and uh, his, his professionalism as such. And, um, It'll be interesting to see how he um, comes into the fold in the next couple of weeks, if he does.
2: Yeah, we, um, he spoke about it himself, how he's become, or how he values his professionalism, and perhaps he hasn't seen that before, but maybe this season we are starting to see a bit more as, well, especially in this time where obviously we're not really at the stadium, um, we can going to see what's on the pitch, and, you know, we saw a side of him last night that Yeah, he came in, did a job, and we left for three points. That's all you can ask for sometimes. Um, Joe, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, obviously, Bailey Cargill's quite a left-footed, predominant player. Of course, he plays left wing-back and left-back, or even left centre-back, which is his more preferred position, I suppose. Um, Would you say that him being a left-footed player playing right centre-back could be an issue moving forward if he he was to be an option there?
4: Yeah, yeah, I think... um... I think D- Bailey definitely worked his way into the game. I think there was a couple of um, just touches in the first half. It was almost just like little flicks inside and um, in his passing, it just wasn't quite there. But defensively, I think he was sound as anything. And he seemed to just grow with confidence in that position because it is a brand new, you know, well, I mean, obviously he's played defence before, but, you know, it's a lot of the time you are going to be forced onto your right foot and, um, and and um and and, and he, he, I think he coped quite well with that in the end. I feel um, one thing with with playing that position is, from our centre backs, we need such a high passing accuracy because if if he gets shifted onto his right foot, for instance, a lot it, any mistake made by one of our defenders in one of one of those those positions is is really going to impact, um, really going to impact the where where um where where the opposition can potentially counter and if you know if they win the ball high up the pitch off one of our defenders it, it could be quite costly and Keo and Louis and Warren they sort of average between 85 and 95 in passing accuracy. So I think if Bailey just gets up 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 a bit because he's around mid-70s but I feel if he does get it up a bit and you know, because defensively I don't think he has been awful. You know, it's just sometimes a bit of the positioning um could be improved. But you know, real positive signs and I'm more than happy to see him start there again. Or maybe it'll be George that comes back in against Burnley. But uh, just yeah, but, yeah, I thought, I thought um it definitely is more difficult um and it took some adjusting too, but he, he really grew into it, I felt.
2: Yeah, his first say it wasn't Bailey's uh, finest moment against Oxford playing that central centre back role. Um, and that maybe was to do with positioning issues that you mentioned, Joe, but definitely that right centre role, he seemed more suited. Um, Yeah, of course, it would be great to see his passing numbers be up there with the uh, Keos and Lewingtons, but at the end of the day, uh, we saw the list um, the other week from D3, D4, they're they're seven of the highest in the league, and I think uh, Keo was the highest in the league. So maybe to expect that from... A Bailey is a bit much, but I can see where you're going in terms of full process in terms of, you know, he needs to get his passing numbers up in order to reduce his mistakes and not put us under pressure too much, which, you know, we've seen time and time again this season how that's affected us.
4: Yeah, well, I think if, if a team is pressing a mistake that high up the pitch, it will, you know, if you lose the ball in midfield, you know, you've still got the defence then to, you know, bail you out as such. If there's, if, if there's a stray pass and you're playing in defence, well, there's only the goalkeeper to go pretty much. Or So it's just, you know, just making sure sometimes safety first, because there was a few really good touches that came off, but there was a couple that just didn't quite come off. And sometimes when you're, you know, sort of the last line of defence, you just you just rather just be a bit, bit safer, just go back if you're not sure and just rework the ankle. But definitely something to work with there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Joe, going back to you quickly as well. I know you had some stats on um, games we've gone ahead in, and um, so I'll let you elaborate on them a bit.
4: Yeah, I believe it was Martin um, from from the MK Way blog that that tweeted out about it, and um, I, I was I think in the league now. I think I believe that's six games we won. Um, it, in we've only we we've, we've gone ahead in five of those games. The only game we didn't go ahead in was the Sunderland game. But since we've been ahead, we haven't conceded a single goal in the league and I, I, I'm sorry we have It was this, but it was a Swindon one but we haven't We haven't actually been equalised against every time we've took the lead we've kept the lead and I think that just really just shows the benefits of the system and having the control because I, you know I know it's a silly thing to say but people moan about the possession but if we're winning and we have the ball well the opposition can't score without the ball, can they? So you know it is, and and I think at times, like I mentioned with Sermon, I felt he just he just knew when to just just slow it down because there were times Swindon they 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 were pressing quite high and they were having a bit more joy. There's no doubt about it in the second half. And sometimes you just need that cool head and you and you know you just need to just play the ball around for you know a minute or two and just settle the nerves and just calm calm the game down. And I felt that we did that really well. And I feel. As well, one positive thing is when we are going ahead, you know, it's not as if we're all of a sudden sitting back and it's an onslaught. You know, against Bristol Rovers and against Swindon, we we didn't really concede a massive, massive chance. And Fish has been Fisher's been, you know, like you say, he couldn't really do anything about that Jack Payne shot. It's it's a bit annoying actually that we didn't keep a clean sheet after how well we played. But you know, there we go. And and as well, we we didn't have loads of shots again on on um. Tuesday I think we had six shots six on target but yeah we, we didn't need to we we did we did the business and we we, we just played the game out and um and, and in all competitions I believe that's 10 games we've gone ahead in and 10 games we've won so it's you know it's one of them where it, it just shows that cutting out the early mistake is so crucial and one thing I did notice actually was Lewington he was going long an awful lot more um and it was actually his early cross that led to the first goal. And sometimes it's just that early ball. It's just you know not trying to you know because we can walk it in. We know we can. We've seen it before. But sometimes you do just need to you know just 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 play a long ball, take a chance. Not necessarily take a chance, but play it into a good area where you know that there's a player there, and where you can potentially cause some uh, confusion and uneasiness in the defense. And and uh, we certainly did that on uh, Tuesday night.
2: Yeah, it's, um, of course, not excluding the uh, game against Southampton, the uh, Papa John's trophy. Uh, but, of course, the you know, next game that majority of people are keeping their eyes on is Burnley, which we'll preview next week. Um, Ross, it's going to be a really interesting game to see, you know, with this style of play that um, Joe mentioned about with the stats, you know, 10 games have gone ahead in, 10 with one, only conceded the once. Um, if, we do have, if we do have the luxury of going ahead against Burnley, it'll be really... It'll be, for me, be the biggest test of the system to see, OK, is this going to work against the big boys? And in Burnley, in a Premier League team, I doubt we'll face a bigger team in a long time.
3: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. I feel, I feel like this 3 5 system allows us a lot more going forward, and I feel like we'll create a lot more. But we reverted back to the 3-5-2 in the second half, the Mason at the top with Jerome. I just feel like that 3-5-2 gives us a lot more control and, of the ball and dictate the game as such. So it'll be interesting to see if we do nab a goal against Burnley, whether we revert or we stick with that 3-5-2 formation because of, let's be let's be brutally honest here, Burnley aren't a possession-based football team. They like to counter-attack and uh, punish you for your mistakes. So it'll be interesting to see how, obviously, Burnley go into this game So I'm expecting changes from their Prem team and them, for them to experiment. But I'm also expecting that from Russ as well, because at the end of the day, it's a free hit for us and uh, the league's more important.
2: Yeah, definitely. I couldn't, I couldn't um, agree more with that. And yeah, i will be interested to see what team Burnley Field, actually, because um, I'm not sure the Dwight Neals of the world are going to play against uh, players like Dean Livingston. Let's hey, see never if you can catch him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see um, how that all unfolds and keeping on a press from DICE and things like that. So that was kind of our Swindon review uh, send up. Um, of course, this is only part one of the podcast. Um, we're going to go into our transfer window preview very shortly and talk about everything there and what our thoughts on the upcoming transfer window, which is going to be quite an important one, I think. Um, so, yeah. We'll be back shortly with Part 2 of the podcast.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first.
2: So welcome back to uh, Part 2 of this episode and the January chance window preview. Um, so, of course, quite a big uh, month or so for us, really, in terms of are we going to sign new players, which i um, you'd assume we are. Are we going to keep most players? Of course, we've already lost one in uh, Carter Morris, which is uh, you know a big shame, but you know I think it's, it's going to be hard to keep him when a player is in that such a form. But we've got some subjects down there to talk about, and um, we're going to start off with um, Russell Martin's comments from his Swindon preview in terms of you know, maybe who we're looking at in terms of targets uh, for this window, and I'll pass it over to the gents to talk about it a bit more. So this is our quotes to be exact. Uh, um, so we need a couple of players at the top end of the pitch to help us out, and someone out wide who can get people one-on-one and help us with pace, which will change the dynamic of the attack a lot. Or our attack a lot, I should say, sorry. So I'll pass it over to you Joe, uh, first of all. Um, do you kind of agree with who Russ and perhaps the coach Taff are looking to add to the uh, team in
4: January. Yes, I do. Um, in, in short, yes. Um, I think, d- despite what, what some of the the mood and comments around games in the past month or so, I think defensively we're fine. It's because you know I think we've got the. I think there's only one team with a better defence in the bottom half than us. Uh, we're by no means the worst defence in the league, and we and 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 we mentioned on the part one about how you know once we've actually gone ahead we've only conceded you know what one goal in in and it's you know we we have that control we can see out games it's just stupid errors in the first place which are letting us down um and also i feel that we we've also got in defense we have got players like Paul and George Williams who can also slot in center back if need be so i think we're fine in in that area um, I think one area we have struggled this year um, is, is attacking, and we've mentioned before. Oh yes, yeah, all good and well having fifteen, twenty shots, but if you're only scoring one, or you're not, you're not actually taking any of your chances. Then you know what's 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 the point? And I think w- we were saying that you know there's only so much you know a lot of the coaching you know Ross coaches the players and they get to the box and when you get to the box sometimes you just need individuals to take responsibility almost and I feel that you know maybe a little bit of extra quality in those areas at the pitch will help and we've seen the difference in the team with Harvey on the left Hand side, so I think, um, especially on the right, is maybe an area to look at. Um, we've, according to FootMob, uh, we've missed eighteen big chances this season, and that's sort of like in the top half. Uh, I think it's like only six teams have actually missed more than us. So it just again goes to show we are creating chances. It's just perhaps they're not falling to the right people, or we're just, we're just not being clinical enough. Um, we, out wide, Bar Harvey, we you know we don't we haven't had. Um, sort of wing-back who can really, really consistently create tons of chances and is a real threat. And, you know, in the middle of the pitch, we've got Gladwin and Fraser, who've been great, I think. But out wide, I think, you know, you've got Paul and Sorinola who are solid, decent. But sometimes, especially in the system, you just need that little bit of extra spice.
2: Yeah, um, you know, Ross, Jay mentioned, you know, maybe adding something on the wing, like uh, Russell alluded to, maybe something up top. Um, what are your thoughts on maybe bringing a player maybe more more towards the middle of the park where like a, a Glavin or a Fraser sort of place Would that be something that you'd be maybe looking to get in in January?
3: Yeah, 100%. Obviously losing Louis Thompson so early on in the season against obviously Sunderland was a massive blow for us. I just feel like um, we've obviously Sermon, we, we don't know how long this short-term deal is. We don't know whether it's out in the, in the January window. Be interesting to see actually what happens in the middle of the park because of we are lacking numbers at the moment and we are down to the bare bones with Kasumi also injured. So I just feel like, as you say, Liam, we do need numbers in the middle pitch, sort of the pitch. Because at the end of the day, we don't have those in the middle, we're not going to be any, we're not going to get anywhere. So um, yeah, it's definitely an option. If obviously our priority should be on the attack first. But I do feel like we need like a loan till the end of the season to buy time through these injuries maybe and then really look at it in the summer. But, yeah, definitely we need um, at least one more in the middle. And just alluding to Joe's clinical in front of a goal uh, point, we are one of the best teams box-to-box. Box, and we have mentioned this in previous pods. I just feel like... Um, quality is literally that, literally down to everything we've, why we haven't got as much points as we have. I just feel like um, fine margins are costing us at the moment and I feel like a change of personal, personnel could make a massive difference going into the uh, last stages of the season.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting and you know what, you know what I found interesting as well was when um, Russ was previewing Swindon, he spoke about obviously Morris leaving and things like that but how the data that um, Morris has generated throughout the season, um, the club are going to use to actually try and recruit his replacement, which I found really interesting. And you know, it. I suppose we we spoke with Liam Sweeting, which you'll hear um, about on New Year's Day. But the the uh, the need for a data analysis, especially in this time, is seems to be quite prominent, and a lot of clubs seem to be doing a fair bit of it. And we, obviously, with all the talk of, you know, how much XD we have and things like that from the club, and they're clearly no strangers to doing that type of approach. And um, Joe, I was wondering if you kind of agreed with that approach of maybe, you know, the data that we have on Morris. Do you reckon that's an accurate representation to try and find replacement? Or should we be looking at maybe goal history and chance creation history in terms of trying to find replacement?
4: I think those are definitely important, but it also depends what sort of role Russ wants from his striker. It might be that, you know, because we've said on several times before, Morris has probably been the best player on the pitch several games this season without actually scoring. And it's through, maybe Russ wants to see players that are very good at pressing. Maybe he wants to see players that are winning the ball high up the pitch. And it sounds like a strange quality to want in a striker. But at the end of the day, you're not... Looking to buy, you know, you're not looking to in, in football, you're looking to get wins, you're not looking to score the most goals or you know, score 100 goals every game, you're looking to just be better than your opponent, and there's so many just different small details that go into it more than just pure goals. You know, I mentioned sometimes with with strikers you know um i think owen doyle was, was a perfect example when he was at swindon last year he was in a team that loved to create chances and they really got the ball in the box for him and he was scoring a goal a game he went back to bradford played five or six games he didn't score a single goal i don't believe because he just wasn't having the chances created for him and i think so you, you've got to look at play styles because um you know someone like uh, chris for burnley who's amazing at, at Burnley he might not necessarily do do that well at a more possession based team so it, i think it does it is all about what Russ wants and also to suit our play style and the players around him and, and what what role they'll be playing in the squad
2: yeah I, I mean i would agree with that in general i mean ross i know that you when you look for strikers you've always looked for you know that type of like goal scoring record and things like that are you still in the... Obviously, we have other strikers in the squad right now that have proven goals-scoring records. Would you like to see that same approach taken with the Morris replacement, or are you favouring the more data style of recruiting that the club may take as a uh, option this window?
3: I think it all just depends on the financial situation. And I feel like, due to the current climate of obviously it's COVID, we don't actually know how much we've got to spend let's be brutally honest here we we're, we're at league one for a reason and that's because of obviously we haven't got as much quality as we want and sometimes to get that quality you've got to pay three figures or four figures or five and i just feel like um, we've got to be realistic and in this in in this scenario i wouldn't I, well i wouldn't like to, for for us to think that we would spend that sort of money on a goal scorer I think I'd rather go down the loan approach often to buy only because of the fact that if you do plough all this money into a striker, it's the pressure which comes along with it. And we've seen with some strikers in the league, they fail under that sort of pressure. And in my eyes, I don't feel like we need to spend that sort of money because of we've got players on a three like Gladwin. And the only reason why, why he's at this level um, issues usually their injury records, so it's it's the case of be being true in the sense of your business, but also you have to be clever and and smart about the financial side as well. So I I personally don't think we need to replace Morris as such for like for like, because of at the end of the day we are getting in the box, and maybe it's a difference between a poacher. And a, a target man So I I look at Morris as more of a target man as such. If I was to define his his him as an individual, but I feel like we need like a poacher, someone like here in Agard, but obviously a bit more prolific in front of goal and at this level as well. So I feel like going going into loan markets probably the best way going forward.
2: Yeah, that's interesting actually because poachers. I've seen as quite limited players in this type of football that we play now. Not just us, but any team, you know, they're they're quite a, quite a limited skill set. They can they can be quite selfish at times. Um, of course, we've seen um poachers in other leagues not be that, but we've had players like Ryan Seager in the past who haven't really worked out and have been that type of player. So I suppose if you were looking for a poach type of striker, it would be down to well, ultimately, it's down to the recruitment team to get the right one, but that's that's quite a unique style to try and get a striker, and a quite tough one to get, in my opinion. Um, Ross, I'm sorry, Ross. Uh, Joe, just quickly, have you got any thoughts on maybe bringing a poacher type of striker in January?
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird one, because, you know, Cam, I think Cameron is probably one of the best finishers around, but I think he just needs a bit of help. And... and but I think with a striker that we're using, I think a lot of it's going to be so much about link up play. And we always said, well, I, well, I certainly did, that last season it was almost, Kalton Morris was almost playing the sort of a Roberto Firmino sort of role in the way that he'd come deep and he'd almost, uh, I think, um, Jerome himself said he sacrifices himself a lot of the time for the benefit of the team. And I think that. It, I think that we, we've had some success whilst playing that way, and I think yeah, okay, we have a success recently with the one up top. But I, I just, um, I, I think, I think that we need to stick to what what Morris was good at. But if you can say get someone that's got similar properties to Morris, but maybe is a bit more clinical in front of Cole, I mean that that would be the dream, right? Um, just quickly as well, a word on spending money in the in this window. You know, I, I, I doubt we're going to get a permanent signing unless it's someone that's already without a club. And I think the realistic option is an, a loan, uh, an, another loan or two. And I just think, you know, p- people aren't out of contract at the moment um, unless they're just without a club for whatever reason and they've been without one since the summer. And also, you know, if you are going to be paying money for someone, well, it's the middle of the season, and if someone's going to be losing one of their better players, well, you'd like to hope so, a better player, you know, I, I, I don't think you know it's more more than likely to be more expensive in the middle of the season. So I just, I, I just want to say, put it out there that I do not think at all that we'll be signing anyone permanently, unless it is someone that's been without a club for, for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, some people aren't a big fan of loans, are they? Especially in January, you know.
4: But the thing is, um, but. Yeah. Uh, what's the point in spending a load of money in January anyway? Because if we were say seventh or eighth, and we were a couple of points off playoffs, fair enough. But I think everyone kind of knew that. Well, I, I certainly thought anyway that this was just going to be a rebuilding season, really just settle ourselves down and get comfortable in the league again, and just avoid the relegation battle. That was that was my sort of that was my sort of idea going into the season. So I think you know if you are pushing for promotion, yeah, you're going to be wanting to spend that money or you're going to be wanting to wanting to pay a loan fee for a player but I just don't think you know if, if we finish 12th instead of 16th it's not you know a major deal so um yeah that's for that reason I just think it's it's just loans we'll, we'll be going for
2: well as uh, as well as players potentially joining there's a uh, aside from Morris there's been quite a few uh Rumours, at least, of players potentially leaving. As well always, this January. of it um, installs, it seems to be a regular occurrence. Especially when we have some decent young players like in a squad like uh, a owner or a Kasumi, who have already seen um, certain rumours about potentially leaving. And uh, you know, with our data friend, uh, data friendly play style, I think this was inevitable. Um, to be honest, you know. As we kind of mentioned, a lot of teams are incorporating data into their recruitment, especially as they can't do in-person scouting really, apart from like opposition they're about to play. Um, so I'll pass it over to you, Ross. Um, aside from Morris, what are the chances for you of any more uh, players departing this window from MK Dons?
3: Yeah, I was I was thinking about this this yesterday evening. Um, well, so obviously players out the fold like Boateng and hagard I feel like Boateng will stay. I think he's loans at Cambridge is till the end of the season anyway so that's that's obviously something to work on at the end of the uh, in the summer but on the a guard front I feel like um I feel like we're going to have to hold out now because obviously he's picking up these injuries and we don't know the extent of them but um from what toby lock um, obviously tweeted of him being in a foot brace it's not looking good so I feel like you can obviously put that one to a side but I feel like this is going to be a key window to to obviously keep the foundations of a club. And the reason why I say that is because Kasumu is a must-keep for us in, until at least the summer, because we can't be losing a player of that calibre at this stage of the season. And the only reason why I say that is because we have saw his man-of-the-match performances week in, week out, and we saw what he can play like. And he's like a different player this season. And I do feel if we do lose him, it's got to be for the right money, and um, and in January I don't feel like you can replace that sort of player, like Joe said, because of they're going to be under contract. So going forward, I feel I do feel like um, Kasumi is a must-keep, and if we do lose him, um, I, w- I won't be the, the happiest man alive. I can tell you that now. But um, on the Sorinola front, it's a bit different because of. He's a, young, uh, he's a young kid. We don't actually know how long his contract is. He might be on the 18 month contract. And we are known at MK Dons for not giving out lengthy contracts. And sometimes it bites, it bites us on the arse. So, as I say, same with Kasumi, if it's for the right money, I feel like Regan Paul replicates more than enough of what Sorinola does. Yeah, of course, Sorinola is one of our own. but At the end of the day, Russ said this when we lost Healy, we're going to lose a lot more players than we are going to buy. So it's just the case of going through the same process like we did with Healy and getting the bike replacement in and trying to avoid the uh, gap.
2: Yeah, I think it's an important point to mention actually how, you know, selling players isn't a bad thing. Um, Not now anyway. Maybe previously, yes. Um, Of course, Rhys Healy at the time was very disappointing and of course I'd love to have Greece now but we don't quite frankly Um, but with this ROI model that you know teams like Brentford and Norwich have incorporated over the years and of course they are where they are now um, from Russia's fans form that's that's a model that he wants to implement so I feel you know if a Sorinola or a Kaz left Yes, of course it's annoying. It's another young talent leaving the club. Um, probably for a fee that we well, we don't we wouldn't know the fee, but a fee that we felt we could do better under maybe six months' time. Um, but I wouldn't treat it at the end of the, as the end of the world. Um Kaz definitely more than Matty for me. I feel Kaz is gonna be a very, very good player in a couple of years' time if he isn't in the next season. Or by the end of the season to say sorry. Um but yeah, I mean, I said, I wouldn't treat it as the end of the world if they did, did, did leave. Um, Joe, um, obviously Ross kind of mentioned not being too, or maybe he could, no, not being too gutted anyway if um, maybe Matty I did leave for a significant fee. Are you kind of in the same boat in terms of uh, Sorinola?
4: Yeah, with, with Matty, I think it comes down with, it's that same old question, isn't it? Will we reinvest the money? I feel that like you mentioned, with the important thing to note when with Norwich and um, and Brentford and Swansea, and these clubs that are selling players, but well, they're also reinvesting the money and reinvesting smartly. We saw, in a way, the sort of thing which we we're on about in terms of people were up in arms when Gilby left. But my word, I don't think anyone's mentioned Gilby this season since they've seen Scott Fraser. So if you can, you know, if 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 you losing a player and you you know no one's even talking about the player that's gone because the replacement's so good and and again that's credit to the scouting team i think um you you've got to trust the trust the process trust what the what the what the staff want to implement and and at the end of the day it's a long-term thing it's not going to be you know because some might go wrong but i feel that just having the opportunity to actually reinvest the money i feel with Matty, I feel I would be much more disappointed to lose Dave. Um, I feel that Dave I, I personally feel like Dave will play in the Premier League within a couple of years. Um, I, I really do think he's that good. Um, I, I think I don't think Eva will leave in January. Um, but another thing just to note as well is if players want to go we saw it with Sam Nombe um, earlier on last season. He started absolutely amazing. He scored must be three or four goals in maybe ten games or so. But when you're just breaking in, that was brilliant. Ever since they're, you know, looking back, he was absolutely crap since January and it turns out that he wanted to move in January to Luton. And it's just, you know, you just don't need that sort of thing in the dressing room, those, vi- you know, bad vibes or whatever you want to call it. So I feel that that's um, just just a- another important note that, you know, if people don't want to be here, then fine, don't be here. You know, we, 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 we don't want people... Holding the club to ransom. Um, in terms of um, just other players that could potentially leave, I think um, Agard and Boateng. I think they they probably were going to leave in the summer, but I feel that I think it was injuries for both of them. And I'd say it's probably again the same this this um, this this window. I feel that they'll probably both leave in the summer, but yeah, it's it's one of them that I think they'll just run down their contracts now. But I wouldn't be surprised if. If someone comes in for them for a loan or whatever, I wouldn't be surprised to see either of them I head I head out the door.
2: Yeah, well, um, as Ross mentioned, I'm pretty sure Boateng's deal deals to the end of the season over Cambridge, um,
4: and then uh, believe, right,
2: yeah, yeah, and then I believe his contract expires. So I think unless someone's really keen on him, I think they'll wait till uh, that period to try yeah. and get him on a free. The same of Agar. Well, yeah, yeah, Agar would be interesting. Actually, that will be um. Because obviously, well, he's injured now, as far as we're aware. Um, but that'll be an interesting development to watch. So just to end it off, uh, gents, um, if we if you could sign uh, one player for one position, or just focus on one position in general, um, what kind of position would you, would you prioritise, I suppose? And um, I'll start off with my position. Um, I think for me, I'm more than happy with having um, the core strikers that we have now. A lot of people, when we asked about um, you know, petitions, kind of said, "Oh, striker, striker." I don't necessarily agree. I feel if we can provide the right service to the like the likes of Jerome um, and Mason, and once he gets fit and things like that, I feel like we have an effort front to put it in the back of the net. Um, so for me, my priority would be uh, the right wing back or right mid position. Um, I feel that yes, Regan pulls him better the past couple of weeks, but. He hasn't nailed down that position at all and I feel if we can add some more attacking talent to that position, uh, for me personally, I see that as a benefit to the squad and perhaps the biggest benefit, so that would be my priority personally. Um, Ross, what's your position that you prioritise this window to if you only sign the one player?
3: If we really look into it, I know Joe said about how we've missed like 18 big chances, If we put half of them away, we would be in a completely different position. So, I want to play devil's advocate here as such and uh, question, well, if we're not putting them in the back of the net, why would you want to uh, get a winger in?
2: I personally think that at times the service hasn't been there for the big chances to be put away.
3: Well, he says we've missed 18 I think a lot of the big chances have fell
4: to them. Right winger, you know Regan. Exactly, yeah. In, yeah. From my memory, Regan Paul had four shots on uh, against Bristol Rovers. That was a quarter of our shots, and brilliant. He's getting in those positions, but I'd much rather Cameron Jerome being on the end of those uh, on the end of those shots.
3: But you're not always going to get a pr- a clinical wing back. No, what, you're not at this level.
2: But I think the point is we don't have it now, um, and whilst we've got ultimately defenders playing there, Regan Paul was the right centre-back in most people's books a couple of seasons ago. I feel in down the half we have that left wing-back again attack teams now and yes, luckily he has the defensive capabilities as well as attacking ones Um, but I feel for the right wing-back or right mid-roll whatever you want to call it uh, we don't have that and if a player like if if a player like Paul is against the positions if we had a player who can take a man on like Russ wants and you know, have a some sort of record of putting those away, I feel that could be real beneficial to the team and I don't think a striker is the top priority for me.
4: And w- one thing as well, I just don't think like a bar camera drone, you know, we haven't really got anyone that's like really fast. <laughs> we just haven't, we don't really seem to have any electric pace in the team. We've got players like, like Steve Walker and Ben Gladwin, they're tricky players, but we don't have just sometimes you just that raw pace just to frighten the hell out of defenders, you know. It, 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 we just don't really, we just don't really have it. And we we haven't had proper wingers since, I mean, I don't know the days Aiden Nesbit and Boliareebe, but you know that's a throwback and a half. But it it, it seems weird, and, and you know, in 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 that right wing right mid position, you know, defensively you you've got responsibilities, but I don't feel that you need to be a an amazing defender in that position. I feel that it's almost, you know, look at someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold. It, he's not the best defender in the world, but his attacking output and what he offers going forward far outweighs any negatives that he might have because someone dribbles past him every now and then. So I feel it's just getting that balance for the position, right?
2: So, Ross, is your um. So is your, is your priority on a striker then this window?
3: Yeah. Um, that's who I'd go for because of obviously Jerome we know Jerome can be, be clinical, obviously, and you, you you two are probably going to have a few raised eyebrows here, but with his age, he's not going to be, be able to have back to back to back games each each week, and obviously through this festive period, we have seen that and um I know he he scored two yesterday, but um i don't I don't want him to burn out towards the back end of the season, you see.
2: Yeah, so, I suppose, in your opinion, you don't think that Walker and Mason and even Engard when he's back can deputise for him when he isn't having a good game? Personally, not. Not consistently, I... anyway. OK. No. I mean, you're in the majority, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what the majority of the Don's fans, fans think from what I gathered, at least, hearing from asking people's opinions. Um, Joe, what would your priority be this
4: window in terms of one position? Um, well, I feel... With the whole Morris situation, if we've still got Morris, I would be saying a right winger. But I do think, I I don't want to have to trust Joe Mason to stay fit for the rest of the season. And I think with Steve Walker, he's got moments of flashes of brilliance. But again, it's 19-year-olds. It's, it's to be relying on them, you know, be relying on a trio of Joe Mason who's been riddled with injuries, no matter how, what his quality can be. Jerome, who's 34. But, you know, to be fair, Jerome, he's run himself into the ground pretty much every game. So I'm not too worried about Jerome, but it's more just those backup spots. And I'd rather have someone that's a bit more consistent um, um, and, you know, you can maybe just rely on a bit more. And like you say, we, we don't really have that target man sort of striker now. And I feel that just, just replacing Morris, I feel, is important. Um, I feel like we can make do. On that, you know, we're not doing. I don't think Paul or Sorinola do a bad job at all. I just feel that someone could do a better job. But I personally, I think striker is probably the position I want to do the most. One other thing I just wanted to mention as well is in central midfield, I feel we are a bit light at the moment, but we we do have Jordan Houghton hopefully returning soon. Louis Thompson, we don't know how long he's going to be. And then we've got Kasuma as well. So that's And then you've got John Freeman as well. So that's like sort of eight players that can play that centre mid role. So I think that that sh- sh- I mean, although three of them are out at the moment, I think that should be enough in the long term, um, especially with, the, you know, the couple of weeks break we've got now. Uh, but yeah, I'd say if Morris was still here, definitely it's the right mid right winger. But now Morris has gone, I would like a, a replacement for Morris.
2: Yeah, I was quite surprised. I mentioned sentiment actually, because obviously we we're speaking it up in the previous segments. So I kind of thought, oh, okay, maybe one of us will uh, maybe target that sort of area of the field as we tend to use quite a lot of them. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not against. I getting think those players coming until... back
4: on the horizon. So yeah, <laughs> you
2: yeah. As you mentioned, yeah, there's hopefully there's a few back within the next few weeks or months that will, will do wonders in terms of squad depth and bringing that quality back and the park, which we have needed the past few games, but you might need it going forward. Um, of course, I did a bit of a, uh, a guessing game, I suppose, on the Twitter account earlier in terms of a, a player that I was looking at targeting um, in the journey window. Just just to clear, if I have no knowledge of what the club's doing in the window, apart from Russ's comments and quotes, um, this is a player I quite like the look of and... We've we have we have no knowledge of what's going on this window at all, um, in case anyone has any conspiracy theories about that. Um, but one person did get it right. Um, it was um Al who's the FM researcher or football manager researcher for the Dons. Um and yeah, I'm not I'm really not surprised that Al got it right as he knows me quite well. Um say so well done to him. Um but yeah, it's Scott Banks and Crystal Palace. Um he's a right winger or right mid, 19-year-old. Um, he can also play left wing um, but he's predominantly a right sided player um, actually a left footed player so he's both footed essentially he's quite comfortable using both his feet um, he joined Palace in January from Dundee United uh, six figure fee for him and um, he's had previous men's football experience at Clyde, uh, Dundee and on loan at Aligua the um, past couple of seasons he's in training with the first team the past few months um, there's, there's sort of footage everywhere of him doing that and he's been pretty impressive since he joined Um, He's captain the N23s team um, with players like Clyde and Benteke in it so you know he's embedded himself into the first team quite well taken to English football quite well from Scotland which as we know from some of our signings in the past has uh, been quite a difficult experience for some Um, this season himself uh, 10 appearances in the 23s 4 goals 3 assists from the wing which is fairly impressive uh, in my opinion um, and I feel in terms of, you know, Russ sort of mentioned wanting a player on the wing who could take a player one-on-one and add a bit of pace um, and change the dynamic or attack quite a bit. I feel um, Banks, if he's available, could do that quite well. And I think he fits the description quite well of what Russ is after. And um, yes, it would be a loan. It wouldn't be a permanent thing. Of course, Palace just paid six figures for the bloke. But um, I feel as a good player, as a first loan for him, in England at least, I feel as a club could, be, could fit quite well. And, um, you know, we've got the right coach, staff in place to nurture young players, clearly from a development of Kaz and Sorinola, And, um, yeah, we could do a favour, I think, in taking on Banks and um, start living that right-wing-back role or right-mid role that um, we use ours quite a lot in the system.
4: If Louis could have a word with his dad, then... <laughs>
2: yeah exactly sister, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, get, get him on the phone yeah hopefully get a cheap loan fee for us that'd be excellent um so yeah i believe that is the end of our sort of transfer preview and the end of the episode um yeah it's a bit different obviously usually we preview a game but with the uh Rochdale game being cancelled of course we uh don't have that privilege unfortunately um but it'll be nice break for the players before we have two games in the space of is it four days uh you got you've got Papadon showing against Southampton and Burnley in the FA Cup. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the MK1 Podcast. Um, as always, it'd be brilliant if you could rate, review, and subscribe. Um, you know, we always love seeing the feedback, whether it's positive or negative, as it either praises or improves us. So it's always good to hear from you guys and what you like and what you don't. Um, let us know what you think about the transfer window. Um, of course, you know we've seen some of your views regarding uh, needing a striker, and of course uh, Ross and Joe kind of agree with you on that um so let me just see what you thought maybe of um banks himself or whether what what position you prioritize yourself in the window so yeah thanks for just listening and come on your dons
0: away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's